Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom. Welcome to Sky Talkers Fulcrum Files, where Caitlin and Charlotte break down the latest episode of Star Wars Rebels. An in-depth discussion commencing in three, two, one. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers Fulcrum Files. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey guys, I'm your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to our very last episode of Fulcrum Files about Star Wars Rebels. <laughs> wow. Here we are. I can't believe. I can't believe we're here. I Charlotte and I have been freaking out over the past couple days about seeing a final chapter of Star Wars, of like a piece of Star Wars canon. Yeah, because we've never really experienced this before, I feel like. Yeah. like I mean, I, mean, I you guess have. I, I have with Revenge of the Sith. But yeah. even then, it I, I guess it, it was a final chapter. I, I don't know. It, it's comparable, I suppose. But I yeah. just feel like in animation, it's, it feels like such a different format. It feels a different type of storytelling. Mm-hmm. We've never really seen an end, and we've never seen Dave Filoni kind of get to tell his ending. So it was like, mm-hmm. what the heck? We have no idea how to... Uh, Star Wars is really... Discussing Star Wars is really built on discussing what came before. So the fact that we never really had an animated ending before in canon done by Dave Filoni, it it felt new and something that I just didn't know what they were going to throw at us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like Revenge of the Sith is an ending, but it's not really an ending because it's the middle of the story. Right. Like Anakin's story. It's interesting. And I mean, I guess that's the thing about endings, and I'm sure we'll talk about this with the end of Rebels too, but it's not really an ending. It's just a new beginning. Which is kind of crazy uh, to think about and anticipate and wait for. <laughs> <laughs> well, today we're going to be talking about our, the 90-minute finale, uh, A Fool's Hope, Family Reunion, and Farewell. Oh, oh, my God. How are we feeling? There was so much emotion going into this episode. And I think – I mean, I think I speak for both Charlotte and I – in saying that we enjoyed A World Between World and Wolves in a Door better than these mm-hmm. episodes. But I think it's more just because like that, you guys know that we really love the mystic side of the force. And so that's always going to be our preference when it comes to episodes like this. But that's not to say that this episode didn't completely blow my mind and uh, was really exciting. And I had no idea what, what was going to happen. <laughs> Right, right. So before we kind of dive really deep into this, because I know we will, this will probably be a longer episode than usual for Fulcrum Files, just because there's a lot to co- cover, we should do our recap. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's Caitlin's turn, and last time I got 30 seconds, and I think it's only fair that she gets 30 seconds this time as well, because it's 90, 90 minutes of content. Even um, though you got 30 seconds for 60 minutes of content. But it's 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 fine. Do you want 40? I can no, give you 40. No, I don't. I don't. I can do it. I don't know if I can do it, but I'm going to do it. Okay. I, wrote, I wrote out my, my recap, but I haven't timed it at all. So I don't know 
I don't, it's either going to be way too short or way over. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Got the, got the got the timer all set up. All okay. Right. <laughs> okay. So in three, two, one. So everything comes to a close in the last episode of Star Wars Rebels. Ezra is on top of his game and plans literally everything. We're faked out by a fake betrayal from Ryder. Only to have General Price get captured. Hot Callus is hot Callus and the wolves come back. Thrawn shows up and demands Ezra surrender, which he goes and is brought to the scary AF Palpatine who tempts him with his parents. Ezra owns the moment and there are some serious Last Jedi parallels. And then the portals come back and Ezra has Thrawn. He says goodbye to the crew and Sabine and it's sad. And where is he? Flash forward. Everyone's alive. Kinera's alive. Ahsoka's alive. Thrawn's alive. And see you soon, Ezra. Wow. Ooh. <laughs> you really didn't need that. Okay, how do I turn this off? Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> you really didn't need that whole time. I'm proud. Wow. You've learned. Wow. <laughs> You've come oh so god. far. I did it. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think one thing to note, you said poor goals instead of poor goals. Poor, poor goals. <laughs> it was stressed. It was stressed. <laughs> So, Porgol is a cross between a Purgle and a. Oh my God, I can't even. Porg, which is just hilarious because one is like a giant space whale and the other is just like a tiny little bird. <laughs> it's great. Someone but draw I, me that fan art of a Porgle. <laughs> Please, I just need a giant Porg. Yeah. With yes. tentacle? No, 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 no tentacles. No tentacles. Oh, I mean, this is this is literally the only time that tentacles have worked for me in Star Wars. <laughs> It's so true. It's so true. Oh, my oh, God. Boy. Yeah. But I think okay. you pretty much covered it besides um, – I guess you didn't really cover, like, the, the the entire content of the epilogue, but it's fine. We'll get I into mean, that. I I hit the high points. Canera is alive, i.e. that takes into account that Hera is alive and they had a baby. And Ahsoka's alive, and we're going to see Ezra soon. I guess I didn't talk about Zeb, but I talked about Hot Callus, and that's important. (laughs) So important. important. (laughs) Callus getting infinitely hotter by wearing black, too. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I was thinking about it. I was like, if I had, like, a Star Wars, like, ranking. Like, you know how people do, like, their hall passes? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If I had, like, a Star Wars hall pass card, like, Hot Callus would definitely be on that card. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Me too. Okay. All right. So the usual format for Fulcrum Files is as such. We just did the 30-second recap. And next, we're going to go into part one, which is where Caitlin and I give our two highs and one low of the episode. And then in part two, we're going to talk about the story of the episodes. And in part three, we're going to be talking about the characters and also answer a email and kind of discuss some lingering thoughts since this is the finale. So without further ado, let's get started. Well, my name's Ezra. This is Kanan. That's Sabine and Zeb. It's nice to meet you, 7567. Actually, my name is Rex, Captain, 501st Clone Battalion. Okay, welcome to part one where we're going to go over our highs and lows. And since I did the 30-second recap, Charlotte, you can start with your first high. Okay, my first high is that Ezra saved everyone and the ending was something that I don't think anyone would have expected. The Purgles coming back, like that literally came out of left field for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and even Mart says it, he says, that's the part you might not believe when he's explaining the whole plan. And it's like, oh my God, I really didn't believe this. And it's just mm-hmm. 
another one of these moments where I can't believe that Star Wars can continue to surprise me with their story choices, with the way things go. I don't get how they keep doing this. Mm, I (laughs) I don't get it. (laughs) How are they so much smarter than us? Yeah, yeah. When, they were, when they were talking about the plan and it was like, yeah, this is – like Ezra had this backup, backup plan in case something like Rook coming back happened and uh, you're not going to believe who I contacted or something like that. And I was just running through my brain like trying to figure out who they would have contacted that would have made sense for them to be able to come in and help the ghost crew and Lethal. And I will tell you. Purgles was not on that list. No, I didn't even know what was on that list. I was so confused. I was like mm-hmm. pulling out my hair. Like, I have <laughs> no idea what's going to happen. What are they talking about? Ezra has a special mission. We should have guessed this. Ezra's connection to creatures has been so pertinent throughout this entire series that like, yeah. of course, they were going to come in, in in the end. And I guess we would have expected the wolves just because the wolves have, you know, this extreme esteemed history with Lothal and Ezra now too so it's that that made sense but I just didn't expect the purgles coming back into it it was crazy man but I was I was so overwhelmed with the ending and Ezra's sacrifice and just everything I was just really surprised and that's the best kind of feeling to me when I watch Star Wars is like seeing something that I know works and being surprised by it Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, Ezra definitely was the standout of this episode finale, as he should have been. It is his story after all. Uh, and my first high was about Ezra as well. So 100% Ezra throughout this whole episode, I was obsessed with him in the in these last episodes. But the standoff, seeing him interact with Thrawn and Palpatine in these episodes was just incredible um, to think that the kid who was just getting in the way in episode one of season one, really, and now is standing off and beating Thrawn and Palpatine at their own game is remarkable. And I I can't get enough of it. I, can, I haven't gotten to rewatch the episodes yet uh, because I'm in midterm week, actually, which is really fun. <laughs> so <laughs> midterm week with the Rebel series finale, the last Jedi novelization coming out, everything is fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, and and I think that the whole I was, as we mentioned at the top of the show, like Charlotte and I really love the mystic side of the force a lot. And so I was really glad that with the Palpatine section and and Sidious that they were able to bring that back in and to weave that temptation that we saw Anakin fall into with Palpatine. And it was it was really cool to see Ezra not take it Mm -hmm. and to 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 come out the better man at the end of the day, I thought. I loved it. I love that whole sequence. Palpatine scared me. I love the visuals of it. The Last Jedi parallels. I was all about that whole sequence. I was too. And the thing that really struck me about Ezra in this in this whole episode thing was how I completely believed every choice he was making. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh yeah, he he wouldn't take that. He wouldn't. It was I was so convinced that everything that he had learned before he was able to go into this series of events with that sort of knowledge and make the right choices. And I was just so, con- I was a hundred percent convinced of his motivations and everything. I mm-hmm. knew that he would do the right thing and it was really just a great character transformation. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. So my second high was the fact that the epilogue, I really liked it given, I know it's, I know it's cheesy. It's a cheesy epilogue. Like it, it's it, even the, the Sabine talking overhead and everything. It's, it's, it's an like epilogue. That, it's an epilogue, and it's that perfect amount of cheese that I actually really genuinely enjoy. And I was left with so much hope at the end of, you know, Ahsoka coming back and then Sabine having another greater purpose. And I just I I need that series next. But not only that, but the visual parallels between that first episode with Ezra and Lothal. And I I, I just I was so overwhelmed with like they answered all the questions that they needed to. And mm-hmm. I was really, really happy with it. Yeah, I was too. I, I loved the epilogue. We, we've we talked before on Fulcrum Files about them doing a time jump at the end. And they, they did a time jump all the way through Return of the Jedi, which is insane to me. I it's, mean, it's just... It's so weird. It's so <laughs> weird. It's so weird. It opens up so many doors for so many things to happen. Like the the Luke Ahsoka head cannons that I've been constructing in my head all day are like <laughs> I need to stop. I need to like focus on other things. But it's I mean it's so incredible, and I think that's what's so great about this finale of Rebels. And and when you think about it, anytime there's been an ending in Star Wars, it is just another beginning because one of the great things about playing around in all these different times is that you know more stories are coming down the line and it leaves the possibility to come back to these characters too. I mean, no story in Rebels was ever going to end as like giving us their whole timeline. That's just not what's going to happen. And the thing is, they might not even have that series for Ahsoka and Sabine planned yet. It Like that could not even be in the works, but they've left the door open because that's what Star Wars is about. You don't want to shut any door in Star Wars. And I think the Rebels finale did that really well. And I think we'll see something similar at the end of Last Jedi or at the end of Episode Nine. I mean, that was the end of Return of the Jedi. It was mm-hmm. like, yeah, they defeat the Empire and they're all together. What's next? Completely. Um, I mean, I don't want to jump ahead, but that basically was my low. Was that while I I feel like there was an ending, I it wasn't a super hard ending, and that low should really be a high. I don't really have a a, a low of this mm-hmm. episode. Um, I just it, it felt like there was going to be more and it was, we were all, everyone in the fandom was like, okay, so like, what's the next series going to be like ready for that announcement? We're all ready for the announcement. And that's a good thing. Um, You want that next piece. You don't want to be like, all right, forget it. Done. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm I'm eager for more and that's my low, but that's actually a high. So. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, it's a hard low because it's like, that's the thing. There might not, like the next project might not be a Sabine and Ahsoka yeah. show. It could be something completely different, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's just. And yeah, I'm okay with hard. that. I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, I just I want to make that having, clear. Yeah. But it's yeah. hard like, as really invested Star Wars fans, not having those answers immediately. Uh, yeah. We're just very impatient people. <laughs> oh, you don't say. Um, As a fandom, we're like patient. What? What is patient? <laughs> yeah, I know that word is foreign to me. <laughs> um, my second high was Sabine and Ezra and Chopper throughout this whole episode. I thought, especially like Sabine and Ezra, just how far their relationship has come. Like it was just, it was so touching to me when Ezra's like, "I know I can always count on you," and then Sabine. 
like distracts Hera and the rest of the ghost crew so that Ezra can escape and go surrender to Thrawn. It was just, oh my it gosh, was, that was so good. And the music. It was beautiful. It was so beautiful. And everything. like, S- Sabine still has Ezra's lightsaber. Like, oh, uh. oh I, I, I will say I fully, when Ezra gave his lightsaber to Chopper, I fully expected it to be like a return of the Jedi Chopper thing. Jedi. I, I was, I was like, yes, this is where they're going with that. I'm for that. I'm ready for that sequence. And it didn't happen, uh, which is fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I really love that moment. Um, my low for me was – it's not really a low. It's just – I don't know. Part of me kind of wishes they had kept with the betrayal from Ryder instead of making it like, oh, this was part of Ezra's plan too. Um, I don't know. I think – because I thought Ryder had I, – I was intrigued by his reasons that he told Price for betraying them. So I think it would have been interesting to see that play out too and to see how Ezra would have um, – ameliorated that situation and worked it to his advantage. Yeah, I agree. I actually, I I agree because I think it would have been cool to see that in that moment of desperation, one person flee. But um, I kind of liked where it went and it made sense. And we probably should have guessed it given the fact that Ezra was like, we only need one person. <laughs> and then it, yeah. you know, it comes to that moment. Like we should have, we should have guessed it, but I didn't guess yeah. it at all. I was so shocked. I was like, oh my god, writer. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I think your text to me was like, I guess we hate writer now. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> bye, 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 writer. You're dead to me. <laughs> and then seriously, ten minutes later, it's like, oh my god, writer, the best. <laughs> yeah, writer. He did that. He saved us. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, a lot of roller coaster emotions in this. Yeah, it was. It was definitely a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay, should we move on to story? Yeah, let's move on. We will not rest until we bring an end to the Empire, until we restore our Republic. Are you with me? Okay, story. Here's the question What's the state of the rebellion? I think the state of the rebellion is that the rebels don't really care. (laughs) (laughs) True. (laughs) (laughs) Retweet. (laughs) It, yeah, it's kind of crazy how this this story called Star Wars Rebels doesn't end being about the rebellion. Yeah, it's about. It's not Star Wars Rebellion though. It's Star Wars. Rebels, which is like just a, a small sect of the rebellion, mm-hmm. which they are. And throughout this entire series, they've woven it in as much as they can. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, it was really Ezra's story and mm-hmm. the story of this family and this found family. And th- the state of the rebellion is that this small family was able to pull off something that in turn allowed the rebellion to become I forgot what Sabine says at the end but a strong a strong force and if Thrawn was around if the TIE Defenders existed if this one planet you never know what would have happened to the rebellion at large had all those continued to be threats Mm -hmm. yeah if Thrawn had still been in the picture 
Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And we got tastes of that in the past couple of episodes with like mentions of Krennic and mm-hmm. kind of understanding Thrawn's whole role in the Empire. And it's just been so satisfying to see how this piece of the puzzle fits in and adds to the story that we know so well, but doesn't necessarily inform the story. Mm-hmm. And it's something that like I, I genuinely am so appreciative of because I, I just feel like all these stories that are being told in Star Wars now doesn't really ha- they don't really have to inform a greater saga story. They just can fit yeah. in to the timeline. And that's where things get to be so fun with Star Wars Rebels now as it leaves off. When you start thinking about the timeline possibilities and like which of our favorite characters from this series can show up in other ones and inform other things, but not necessarily like support it. I, I think that there's like two separate um types of ways to think about these characters and their relationships to the saga. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of, I mean, it kind of goes back to what Dave always says about not having these characters act as footnotes to the saga. Um, Because with Clone Wars, they had to. It was like everything had to be, I feel like everything had to be really tied to what was in the films because of the characters you were dealing with, Anakin and Obi-Wan. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like how Anakin can never meet Grievous because of that line in Revenge of the Sith. Um, (laughs) They had to be really tied to it. And I think that's that's one of the things that I wasn't expecting to come out of the finale thinking about, but I do. And I think that's really cool. I think it's great to have this series and these characters who are so ingrained in the Star Wars mythos now. And they're not like they're not really functioning with our other with like Leia so much anymore. I mean, Hera is, and you and I think that's great because that falls in line with her character. But at the end of the day, the Star Wars rebels, the ghost crew, they rebelled in a way against being a part of the rebellion and like forged their own storyline and continuity, which I think is really, which I think is really cool. Actually. I do too. I think it's so awesome. I just, I really never thought that we were going to get this kind of story Mm -hmm. when we started and it just makes so much sense to me now. I need to know everything about what Hera was doing though. And the, the, the canon junkie in me is like, oh my God, like how do these characters know Luke and Leia? And Mm -hmm. that's just me like, and you too, personally, I, I need to know these things, but it doesn't take it doesn't add to this story that we have now and obviously they actually do know leia so it's great to kind of yeah. see how that would i don't know i'm i'm my head is just spinning right now just even thinking about mm-hmm. this i don't even yeah. have like a clear thought but yeah, that's exactly like, what is amazing about it yeah like it's not implied that like sabine started working with leia one-on-one you know what i mean it's like yeah they know her but they're not the things they're doing aren't because of her um, or because yes. of what Rebellion's doing, which is mm-hmm. cool because it's like when we started Star Wars Rebels, it's like, oh, it's about all of these like sects and like people like Fulcrum and Bale and Ahsoka bringing together these like-minded people to form what will eventually become the Rebellion. And so as like Star Wars fans and looking forward to A New Hope, it's like, okay, like we're going to get to the Rebellion and we're going to see them on Yavin 4 and it's, you know, we're going to see all these characters at play and and they're all going to fight in the Rebellion and stuff. And I think it's really cool that they don't actually do that. Uh, You know, Hera does because that's what Hera believes in and that's been built up throughout the series. Um, Mm -hmm. But for as much as you know the others go along with those missions throughout the series at the core of it it's like they want to they're doing what they feel is right and the right choice and at the moment it's like helping these people helping this world that they feel like warrants 
their involvement in the story. And that happens to be through the rebellion or through what is becoming the rebellion. Um, and in the end, they realize that they're all kind of on their own paths, it seems like, but all still so connected. I mean, I, I don't really, I'm not making much sense, but I, I mean, that's kind of like how our brains are now <laughs> yeah. when you think about this, yeah. this too much or like it's entry into canon. Continue. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I, I think it's kind of what the goal of of Rogue One was too, you know, that there are more people in the Rebellion than Luke, Leia, and Han, and they're doing things that Luke, Leia, and Han are never really going to know the full extent of what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and just and similarly, you. I mean, like, what a hope! Like, Lethal. It, it's crazy to me to think about how hopeful Lethal is now to the galaxy, to have seen this planet regain its freedom and like build itself up from the rebel rubble during this whole conflict and the fall of the Empire. It's like they they're really a step ahead of everyone else at the end. Uh, so true. They set the example. Oh my they god. Set, yeah, and it's like. <laughs> And for, I guess, for, like, Sabine, and who knows how long Zeb and Hera stayed on Lothal, if they stayed on Lothal. I mean, I think I think it's probably safe to assume that Hera was there, and I don't know, maybe that was, like, a base for her to come back to a lot, but that she was really with the Rebellion, and I don't really know what Zeb and Callus were doing. Um, <laughs> what were they doing? <laughs> you know what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> But it's like they they wanted to complete the mission of Lethal. And completing the mission wasn't just blasting off the Empire. It was helping rebuild the city into rebuild the planet into a place that someone like Ezra could come home to again one day. Mm-hmm. And I think oh there's something just like really beautiful about that. Okay, so I I completely agree. I just want to kind of pose the question, does this story kind of underscore all the key themes that we see represented throughout Star Wars and basically every single story? And maybe we should go through them. Um, First off, like off the bat, I I think yes. And I'm going to assume you think yes too, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The the list of... I guess what we've compiled as like big overarching Star Wars themes, themes of hope, family, sacrifice, selflessness versus selfishness, uh, individual choice, friendship, and kind of love conquering all. Yes. And I think that honestly, it checks every single box for mm-hmm. the key Star Wars themes and um, in in unique ways, which make me so happy yeah, family isn't necessarily a genetic thing. Um, even in in love isn't necessarily. I mean, obviously we see Hera and Kanan, and that's a beautiful relationship. Obviously, that strengthens the entire Ghost Crew. But it's not even just about that. It's really familial love. It's that brother sister relationship that we see with Ezra and Sabine. It's um, Zeb standing up for his his new family. It's it's just so much, and there's so much hope even with with them in a different way than we see with Luke and Leia. Mm-hmm. Um, we see sacrifice. Ezra had to learn that the hardest way, and he he understands that that's the last lesson, and that's what he has to do. Um, and he isn't he acts completely selfless, mm-hmm. um, and makes all these choices 
himself. It's not, it's not guided by him. It's, it's the, the theme of individual choice is so present, especially in this last, these last like three episodes. Um, Ezra is two steps ahead of everyone and he must do what he needs to do. And Hera and Sabine and Chopper and the entire crew has to let go of their kind of preconceived, um, kind of holding him back and let him Mm -hmm. do what he needs to do. Yeah. Yeah. Ezra is just so confident throughout this entire episode. Nothing is shaking him. Um, Yeah. This like calm and quiet confidence that is just following him throughout this episode, which I think is really great. Uh, Sorry. Continue. No, go ahead. I was going to say, would you say – it is a piece and a purpose. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What I say, it's a piece and a purpose. Yeah. No, definitely. <laughs> definitely would say it's a piece and a purpose. <laughs> yep. Uh, like if we're going to touch on The Last Jedi, let's just touch on The Last Jedi real fast here. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> when Ezra is looking at his family's picture and he's like, I'll finish what you started. Started. I can't believe they went there. Can you believe they, they did that? They, not only that, but with Palpatine in the temple, you've got like proto Praetorian guards. You've got a torture scene that m- completely mimics the Last Jedi. There's what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much. Yeah. It's like you know they're not kidding when they say that they borrow certain concepts. Certain. It's not just aesthetics either. It's it's story concepts, and mm-hmm. I, I I really appreciate this just because it's not the original trilogy that we always have to draw on for these sort of parallels that are present throughout the prequel trilogy and the whole poetry thing. It's we can draw on these new movies and we can make these sort of stories that parallel. Um, these new classics that are being released into theaters just this year. And I love that. I think it's a really great um, addition to how we look at Star Wars overall in terms of the, it rhymes, it's like poetry thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm ready for those for those gift sets and, and videos. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> but I mean, in, in regards to like themes in Star Wars, I definitely think uh rebels definitely like you said checks all those boxes and it gets to do it in a unique way because it's a unique group of people and they do operate outside of the skywalker family and the skywalker family has a lot of baggage but so do all of these people too but then the thing about star wars you know being that it draws so heavily on mythology and, and it is mythology for the modern age but that that mythology is built on the mythology of ancient people too. You know, like these themes are so drawn into our subconscious at this point as a civilization and as, you know, quote unquote humanity. And so it's cool to see these themes play out through characters other than, you know, the, the Skywalker elite, if you will. Because, I mean, if you're kind of treating it like Greek mythology, then the Skywalkers would be like the Olympian gods, right? Like their mm-hmm. connection to the force and, and the cosmic force. And then, you know – they're kind of supposed to set the example, um, as it were, for how things like morals play out. And that's a very loose analysis. So everyone take that with a grain of salt, please. But it, <laughs> it's nice to see those themes play out with the quote unquote regular people um, because, you know, selflessness 
we should all practice selflessness, putting others before ourselves, um, having hope and love and forgiveness and, you know, having friendship and, and all of these things should play into our everyday lives and our relationships with the people around us. And the ghost crew exemplifies that each and every day. They spent four seasons doing nothing but supporting each other. <laughs> so true. It's so true. And it, it's so like lovely to watch a family coming together because it's like Star we always talk about how Star Wars is tragedy, but like this is the most hopeful Star Wars has ever ended aside from the end of Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Which it's true. Is like beautiful. <laughs> I know. And that's why it like it felt so weird at the end where it was like, oh, like this is like so jubilant. Like we should be so happy about all these different things that happened. And it in that in itself felt kind of different in terms mm-hmm. of a Star Wars story. And I think that's great. <laughs> yeah. I hope that the Han Solo film kind of ends on a happy note too, just because it I feel like it can, even though I probably won't. Just I, I don't know. I don't know why I'm no, no. why I'm bringing up the solo movie. I'm just thinking about it a lot lately. I guess <laughs> it's so close, but it it does it. I don't know. I just feel like it has a potential too to sell it to tell a really beautiful story instead of just be like super super tragic. Yeah. And it's not like Star Wars Rebels isn't super tragic, but I just feel like there's room for these kind of stories. Yeah, it, it's. It's hopeful at the end, you know, because it's like the stories we've had so far, it's like, you know, the the original trilogy ends on this like really high note at the end of Return of the Jedi, Um, a high note that was never uh, followed through on, at least in films up until, you know, obviously the sequel trilogy, but really hasn't been followed through on because we jumped forward so much time. Totally. Then you have the prequel trilogy, which ends on the like really low note of Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. you have these like moments, these like reminders of hope, you know, with mm-hmm. you know, with with Luke and Leia and they're riding off into the Tatooine sunsets with Owen and, B- and Baru, um, Luke and Obi-Wan are. But like overall, it's like, oh man, like the galaxy has just been plunged into darkness. <laughs> and <laughs> and with Clone Wars too, it's like that you're going towards that inevitable ending. And the we never really got a finale either. And then with Rogue One, I mean, they all died. <laughs> yep. Sadness. I mean, of course, there is hope at the end of that movie when you see Leia and everything. But, and yeah, but of course, it's like, like that with every single movie yeah, in Star they're Wars. Mem- they're mementos. They're like hopeful mementos reminding you of what's coming down the line. Uh, but yeah. with Rebels, it's so unique because it is so separate you get to have this like pretty nice happy ending for our characters. Like we know they all survive through the events of the original trilogy. What the heck? Yeah. They all survived the through the events of the original trilogy. They all had mostly happy endings. And yeah, they're they're marred by the tragedy of losing Kanan and Ezra, but they have been able to move on and still find hope in what they're doing and what looks like joy in their lives too. Totally. Which is you great. You said it really well. Yeah. And it's like even for Luke, Leia, and Han, it's like we don't know how long, really how long any kind of happiness really lasted for them, especially, you know, for Leia knowing the, the like the darkness that was kind of within Ben Solo from the very beginning. It's like that must have been just a constant worry and source of anxiety for her and for Han too and eventually for Luke as well. So we don't know how long their happiness really lasted. But with the with the ghost crew – 
they've got some good years in there. <laughs> Surprisingly, <laughs> somehow yes. they've got some good years in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just want to touch on this because it's come up a lot when you talk about Dave Filoni. I was wondering if we could kind of define what makes a story Dave Filoni-esque or Filoni-ish. Do you have a definition? <laughs> no. For for as much as I love the guy, <laughs> I don't know if I do. I mean, I think it's – I think I, there's like a, a – sorry. No, sorry. You, no, you go ahead. I think there's like a couple things that Dave Filoni does that like really well and that is completely part of his style. Um, number one is kind of defining the undefined in an undefined way. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like I, I would agree and I would say the same thing that it's like you can't really define it. I can – I guess but also – also kind of bridging a lot of connections throughout all of Star Wars, even Legends. I think that that is super felony. Mm -hmm. um, tying into all these different corners of Star Wars, like from the video games, everywhere really is where he brings in things. And I, I think that that's another attribute of Dave. But I... I feel like there's like a there's like definitely a felony feeling, and I think that feeling is particularly Star Wars. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just trying, for my own sake, to define what people mean when they say it feels very felony. And I think the whole I think a lot of people say it in a in a negative way. At least when I, I mean when I see people yeah. say things like it's too felony. It means it's like two question mark. I guess, yeah. Which you know, it, it's weird because hearing you talk about felony elements in Star Wars, it's strange because I can think of a lot of reasons of why I like Dave Filoni and what he's done for the Star Wars universe. And, and I was thinking about this today too. Also, while I wasn't studying for midterms, um, <laughs> about <laughs> um, about like how. Dave has influenced so much of our Star Wars journey and particularly myself and particularly you too. Like when mm -hmm. in 2008, we were both like relatively new Star Wars fans. You, of course, yeah. had seen the movies, but you weren't like all in really until Revenge of the Sith. And so really, I'm, I was like a year behind you as far as like mm -hmm. hardcore obsession. And it's like mm -hmm. right around that time after we've kind of gained our footing in the universe – Dave and George come along with the Clone Wars and they're, you know, on the DVDs, they're walking through these things of like how the force works and how storytelling works and the characterization of Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka. And they're going through all of these really in-depth things. And for us, that's really the first time that we're really starting to think about these characters and these stories in that way from a storyteller's perspective. And so it's like Dave has been – Dave and George were like the start of that for us and for our Star Wars journey. So it makes sense, I feel like, that we really respond to his storytelling. Yeah, I, I think that it's it's almost our Star Wars in this weird way. Yeah, which is weird because I, I've never thought about Clone Wars and Rebels, Clone Wars really as my introduction to Star Wars or even my like hook into Star Wars. But thinking back, I kind of think it was – it's it's more it was our hook into like fandom. fandom. Yeah. Yeah. 
But even then, I, I was thinking about my love of Ahsoka as the character and why I responded so well to her. And I think part of it was is like by coming into Star Wars after it was finished, I already had all the answers. There was nothing left for me to uncover, as it were. Like that's how it felt. But with Ahsoka, it was, you know, she was a question mark, uh, which is funny because that's what I love about Kylo Ren too is that he's a question mark. <laughs> yeah. And it's – it's. You, you're kind of uh, – well, I'm getting ahead of myself. I was going to say Ahsoka is kind of your avatar in that you were kind of like placed in the middle of this story that had already been happening and you were kind of placed within these parameters. Yeah. And wow, you just kind of didn't really know what was going to happen. Yeah, you're Ahsoka. Well, I'm Ahsoka, so like, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I think – I don't know. I think that definitely plays into our uh, – love of Dave Filoni and his his way of telling stories. And I get that for a lot of people it's not it's not their cup of tea. Um and I think that's because of when their introduction to Star Wars was it was really heavy-handed on spelling not, things out. Not even spelling things out but like having things like the battles like that was a really big part of I always forget that for a lot of people that's their favorite part of Star Wars. Um <laughs> just cuz it's not my favorite part and so I don't and, and that's why it was like World Between Worlds, we like that episode better because that's our favorite thing in Star Wars. It doesn't mean that we didn't like the finale. Obviously, we loved it. Um, but I feel like I'll be rewatching World Between Worlds and Wolves in a Door for More the rest the of the finale. Life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just I've been so reflective after <laughs> this finale. I like don't know what to do with my thoughts. <laughs> It's what you always say about how Dave Filoni and like Star Wars animation has produced more hours of Star Wars in general than any than any film. Mm -hmm. So if you put it in that into that perspective, obviously Dave Filoni's storytelling is really important, but it does have a style and we really respond to that style really well. And I'm always here for trying to get more out of not necessarily understand but kind of understand all the different aspects of Mm -hmm. the force and the way things work the way the galaxy operates it's a huge galaxy and there's all the different stories to be told and Dave Filoni has showed us that in all these different arcs and um, places that the rebels have gone and just the rebels crew in general Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Um, good I'm not gonna ramble about it more because I'll just I'll get on a soapbox no need to get on the soapbox here. Um, <laughs> Stop. Well, quit while you're ahead, Caitlin. We're over it. <laughs> so anything else we want to discuss in the story section? Anything you want to bring up? Uh, I mean, Ezra owned this story. I think there's really – that's really the capstone on the episode, which mm-hmm. makes total sense because Rebels is his story in the end. Yeah, he reclaimed it, and it was yes. so awesome. It was like he really did. He was he was really. I said I think I said two steps ahead of everyone else. Mm-hmm. He was like ten steps ahead of every, everyone else in this these episodes, and he knew exactly what he had to do after the world between worlds. And it's just it's really cool to me because in general, a world between worlds felt like a almost like a separate episode of Star Wars Rebels in general, Mm -hmm. but it really played into the end of this so much that Mm -hmm. or or like just the mechanics of it. The lesson from it was the the lesson created everything was the fulcrum for this episode. 
<laughs> Completely. And it was it's just so cool to see a finale kind of give its main character. It, they were really firing on all cylinders in terms of telling Ezra's story at this point, And I really am, am very impressed. Completely agree. <laughs> okay. Are you ready to move on to characters so we can talk about Ezra some more? <laughs> yes. <laughs> can't do that. It's up to all of you now. And remember, the Force will be with you. Always. Okay, welcome to part three, where we're we're gonna try and go through all of the characters. <laughs> we're doing this. I can't, I don't. I can't promise what's gonna happen in these conversations. If some of it's gonna be repetitive or not good, but here we are. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna start with Ezra. <laughs> we okay. So he, Caitlin has written in little things next to every character. Would you like to read what you wrote next to Ezra on our notes? Yeah, I said Ezra, all caps. All of these little identifiers are in all caps. King of saving the crew and the rebellion. <laughs> really just really just the crew. I should amend that to King of saving the crew and Lothal. It's it's just crazy. Yeah. Um like I said, we just said um I felt like <laughs> I wrote this in here too. Like I honestly feel like every character in this last finale was like their most evolved form mm -hmm. and we got to see all of like our favorite you know regulars on the show come back to kind of support Ezra and his whole mission and it was just really beautiful to see all these people that Ezra has always had a connection in and a, a greater empathy to understand people and creatures and everything and in the end they all kind of come back and help him whether it's the Purgles, whether it's Hondo, the it's it's just I know it's just but in the wolves it's it's just so cool to me that Ezra has had this like special ability to kind of rally all these things together and fight for what's right and it's just really cool. Mm -hmm. That's really and it's like I've Ezra's. You really did it. You you really did it, kid. <laughs> you really did it. Uh, yeah, you know it's a. Uh, it's like Ezra – Dave was talking about this and Rebels Recon. And if you haven't watched Rebels Recon yet, you should. It's like 20 minutes long. It's beautiful and, and sad and go watch it. Uh, but he was talking about how, you know, Ezra's like – one of Ezra's biggest strengths is being able to see the best in people, to have hope that people will come through for him like he comes through for them. And that definitely proved true in this episode when all of these people, like you said, come back to help him. Uh, but, you know, him him as a character, I mean, this is the best he's ever been. And that's the point because it's the series finale. You know, this is this whole series is Ezra's coming of age in this like super mm -hmm. crazy time period of the rebellion and the empire um, going into leading into what will be the original trilogy and the downfall of the empire. It makes sense that this is the moment when we see him at his best. This is when he has come of age. This is and this is where his story ends. He's he's 
crossed over into the next stage of life, wherever he is. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But like, this is a big turning point for him emotionally and, you know, physically because, you know, he hyper, he leaves. Uh, <laughs> I <didn't, laughs> he hyperspaces away. <laughs> like i don't know what i'm saying um and i i think i'm reminded of we were as you guys know Cheryl and i went through this like clone wars behind the scenes binge over the last couple of weeks and there was this i can't remember if we talked about this on the show but dave was talking about how sometimes it was really hard to write for anakin because due to the events in Revenge of the Sith, Anakin can never really become a fully enlightened character. He can only learn so much because he eventually has to follow the dark side. And if he learned too much, you wouldn't believe that he would follow the dark side in Revenge of the Sith. And so I think it's interesting, you know, comparing that with Ezra now, how Ezra gets to be enlightened. He gets to learn the last lesson and that last lesson makes all of the difference. Yeah, it's one last lesson. God, Carabast. <laughs> Carabast. <laughs> Carabast. <laughs> it's just, um, I mean, I've, we're repeating ourselves when we say this, but Ezra's journey, it, it's gotten so much criticism. This poor kid. The, the show's about Ezra and his failings and how he can rise above them and learning how to be his own person after his parents are uh, abandoned. And it's just, it's mm-hmm. it's a great parallel. Obviously, it's a very good Star Wars story. This is very Star Wars, mm-hmm. Ezra's story. Yeah. And um, it's, oh man, the payoff is so great. And I can't wait to see <laughs> where he is with Thrawn someday. Yeah, like, what happens? Thrawn's alive. What are they doing? According to Dave. Yeah, so so Ezra's alive, Thrawn's alive, but it doesn't even matter. Like, I even think it's so great that they're not dead because that means that, like, (laughs) they're just chilling. Like, where are they? (laughs) Imagine, like, this is this is us speculating so much, but imagine like them showing up in the resistance era and you get those people that were in bloodline like ransom castrofo who were like so obsessed with the empire and like the dark side and then you have these like actual relics from that time period kind of like blasting into space then and like what is that like what do they think about that i don't know i want to know if wherever ezra and thrawn are if they know what's going on with the rest of the galaxy like if they know that the empire falls i don't know i don't know either um, like do they become friends do they like <laughs> set up camps on the opposite side of the purgle and never shall the two meet like what what's going oh on oh my god anyway <laughs> all right i'm sure we'll come back to ezra but uh, for our next character was sabine who definitely was the second standout of these episodes and my note for her was queen of lithal <laughs> She is. I just think, um, and we have a great email later about Sabine and basically Hera, but I think I'm just overwhelmed by how far Sabine has come herself, too. Um, it's just so cool that we get such an amazingly layered character who had his, such a storied past um, with being in the an Imperial Cadet and then um wielding the dark saber and then passing it on to Bo-Katan and it's just like mm-hmm. 
and finding her place within the family and then being this amazing artist. Her entire story and her relationship with the ghost crew and like her her found family is just so meaningful. She really found her place and kind of understands who she is on a whole different level than what she used to. She used to be all these different things, used to be or tried to be one of those things, but she wasn't just one of those things. She was a combination of all of them. Mm-hmm. And by the end, you see that. You see that her bickering relationship with Ezra is is over. They understand each other. They've completely matured. She's completely matured. Um, ugh, man, I, I get really overwhelmed when I think about Sabine because I think that she really is one of the greatest Star Wars characters that we've ev- ever, that we have. Just because she has such a cool backstory and, and and everything that she has gone through in the series is just so cool. So cool. Yeah, no, same. Uh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I mean, I completely agree with what you said. S- Sabine is an amazing character. And I mean, you, they've really honed in on this relationship between Ezra and Sabine the last six episodes. I mean, in – in Kanan's last episodes, they were off together. And then in, you know, the first part of World Between Worlds, they were like, it was their mission. And it was really emphasizing just how much they've grown together and how they balance each other so well, like their strengths and weaknesses, and they just understand each other. And then you, and that was like in um, Wolves and a Door, it was a lot of like their skill sets that you were seeing uh, really emphasize. And, but then in these episodes, it was their emotional connection too of like Ezra knowing that the person he could count on was Sabine and Sabine being in tune to that as well and knowing that for as hard as it was to see someone she cares about leave, she knew that it needed to be done. Mm-hmm. And she understood the power of individual choice. Yeah, she did. And I, I don't know. I just – I was so impressed, like, the the amount of emotion that Tia and Taylor were able to bring to those scenes, I was just obsessed with. I think they did a phenomenal job. And and speaking of Sabine kind of individually, like, I mean, like you said, I don't really think I can say it better, but her, like, whole arc throughout this whole series, you know, going from someone who is so closed off and, and like, very snarky to, to most people, especially Ezra, to – someone who went through her own trials, who went to a really low place, a really dark place and came out better because of it, because of, because of her choices in that situation, but then also because of the support of her found family and her actual family in those situations too. Um, I think that's something that was always really great, really nicely balanced with Sabine is that, yes, she was making a lot of choices and, and having these moments of reflection for herself, but she was also seeking out the advice of people like Hera and Kanan and, um, you know, was hesitant to accept their help at first, but then learned how to ask for help too and to accept it as well. Yeah. She had to shed that exterior that was so icy mm-hmm. and so closed off. Yeah. and It was necessary for her. Yeah. It was – she's queen of Lothal. <laughs> she is queen of Lothal. Queen of Lothal. <laughs> and I think it's cool too that, you know, she ends up being the one who's kind of giving this epilogue at the end. Because uh, she. Oh, yeah, yeah me like too. Really, I mean, it's hard to say that all the characters didn't have relationships with each other, but I don't know. She, she kind of, I feel like she always, we saw her a lot interacting with all the other characters more. I don't know. I, cut that part. I don't know what I'm saying. 
<laughs> okay. So let's talk about Hera. Mother. So Hera has had yeah, mom. Mom. <laughs> so once she a mom, has had always quite a mom. The, seriously. Well, she has quite had quite the journey. I mean, she has basically ha- I think that Hera has like the clearest character to me in terms of I don't I think that like she went into this knowing that she, we were she was like an amazing pilot and um loved Kanan and was always here to like protect her like space family and like do whatever it takes to like defend the rebellion. And in the end she she does that. Um very, very much so. Mm-hmm. Um I don't really think I, I think obviously she had a lot of uh, a really good character arc and everything, but I, I don't think it's as dramatic and defined as you get with Ezra and Sabine. And I think that's okay. Yeah. Um, I don't think it needs to be, that's not a negative mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Um, that's just how it is. Well, it's kind of like, yeah. I mean, I feel like Hera has like her own tiny cult fandom around her and for good reason. She's like, she's, she's amazing. Um, I can't speak highly enough. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this cult fan around hair, I'm a part of it. Um, but, and I think that the, tra- the season four trailer actually kind of, you're talking about how more time was really spent with Sabine and Ezra. And I think it makes sense because they're the, they're the kids. Like, for one thing, it's Ezra's story. That's something that the, that the rebels team has been telling us repeatedly for the past, you know, four or five years, you know, it's, it's Ezra's story. Um, so we shouldn't be surprised when more time is spent on him too. And then as like the relationship grew with Sabine, like her characterization, it makes sense that we spend more time with her as well, just because she's younger. Um, they're the people that are learning. Kanan and Hera already had all of these experiences that they learned from that happened off screen and and before we got to know them. And in the season four trailer, I forget what the exact narration is, but Hera's telling us this narration because it's like she's still mother over these kids. But at the end, mm-hmm. like Sabine has now grown up and now she's telling her own story. Uh, which I think yes. is really nice. Uh, but I wish I could remember what the narration was. It's like, it's a story about a boy and a girl and like the sacrifices that define them or some, something like horribly but An evil, an evil, something like, so uh, this is so bad, guys. Sorry, we didn't transcribe this, but um, an evil so dark, or a dark so evil, it thought that it could wipe out the stars or something, blot out the stars, Listen, something crazy like that. Please just look it up. Instead of just hearing <laughs> us like pander about it. Let's see. Season four official trailer. Yeah. It was a simple story about a boy who was lost and a girl who was broken. <laughs> wow. They fought alongside a survivor, a war veteran chopper, <laughs> and a fallen knight. It's Kanan. I led them into battle against an evil so terrible it tried to black out the stars. Oh, gosh. Yeah, Man. and it starts out. It's like it starts out with Ezra and Sabine because they're the ones growing up, right? And it's their coming of age story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. But okay, so let's talk about Hera's end. So it's so freaking awesome that she gets to continue through the events of the original trilogy, fight in these battles, and also have a kid, and be basically the only surviving mom that we see in Star Wars canon. Wow. I know. It's so awesome. She's like, she literally checks all the boxes. <laughs> well, I mean, Leia, Leia survives. 
Uh, <laughs> I mean, she wasn't a kid. She wasn't a, I mean, she didn't have a kid in this time yeah. period. Yeah, she didn't have a kid in the OT time period. I mean, that doesn't make her any less awesome, but it's it's still <laughs> at all, obviously, Leia's like, the queen. But, like, the... <laughs> the Leia's just, queen. She's like, fine. <laughs> it, this is pretty revolutionary that you get this, like, mom in Star Wars fighting in these huge battles that are galaxy-defining. It's really cool. This is the first time. And she's like, buckle up, sweetie. <laughs> Literally. Put on also, your seatbelt, Jason. Eat your vegetables. Totally pregnant when she goes into battle over Scarif. Like, how cool is that? It's just so cool. It's crazy. <laughs> I feel like all the qualms that I had with the, like, valid qualms that I and many people shared of like the Canera, I love you. And it was like, question mark, wait, they've loved each other for so long. And it's now I understand that like, they just never really had to say it. And I think that's also kind of a a modern representation of, of romance in like this great way. Um, They, they Mm -hmm. almost, they loved each other too much to have to say it. And so like, even just saying it felt so ridiculously obvious, you know? And Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that that's, and really the fact that they brought those two characters to that point where we as fans are like, wait, really? Like they've loved each other this entire time um, is kind of <laughs> a remarkable reaction because we buy this relationship so much. I just can't believe she has a kid. I can't believe that. It, <laughs> that Me neither. That that happened. That that happened, and she was pregnant. It just like it, during yeah. like everything that was going on. Yeah, it's crazy. Like I can't believe they did that. Like they went there. <laughs> yeah, Dave was like, "Oh, and uh, and let's uh, just give her you know, a kid." <laughs> let's. <laughs> Hera, he wouldn't say let's give her a kid. It, it'd be more like. And uh, Hera's got a kid. And his name is Jason. It's Kanan's kid. Because you know what? Spelled how you think it's spelled. (laughs) (laughs) Just like imagine all the people that are at Lucasfilm are like, all right, great. Okay. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) They're probably like, oh, so that means that like Kanan and Hera. And Dave's like, yep. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Do I need to spell it out any more for you guys? Okay. <laughs> they have a kid. And they're like <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh. I just I think that's that's one of the the great things to, you know, talking about women in Star Wars. Women, I, you know, there's still the stereotype that to be a strong woman, you have to be like super independent. I don't know, there's like this negativity around a lot of the times around being a mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like you're saddled with this kid. I feel like that that that's the conversation that gets brought up a lot. Uh, of course, that's a generalization, so take it as you will. But you know, a lot of the times that can be a negative thing. But I love how with Hera, it's like she to say she was saddled like that's just not what it what it is at all. And and obviously, we don't know anything really about what Hera as a mom is like. I mean, we do because of Rebels, but with an actual like a baby. Um, but clearly, like, she was still living her life and doing what she was best at and what she was called to do, which was being a leader in the rebellion. And she's doing it while being a mother. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the great thing. It's like to be a strong woman doesn't mean you can't be a mother. 
and it's great to see that represented in Star Wars. Totally. And it's it's not even like a full representation at all, but I just I feel like I feel mm-hmm. so privileged now that we have this nugget of like we already love Hera, we already love what she stands for. I'm wearing a shirt that literally says hero and it's like Hera is the O, so it's Hera the hero. Like she is everything a hero is and it's so meaningful for for us women to see her like getting this like happy ending almost with this child that she probably loves that like wants to be a pilot just like her like, <laughs> child, I mean, wait, wait, this child she probably loves. I, I was gonna say probably <laughs> loves just as much as Kanan because like of course she does so it's it's just like this like replacement and I, I'm just I was just so happy it, it was it felt really good and I honestly just can't believe that they went there and it makes me just like wow they did that <laughs> yeah I think that's the the big takeaway is wow they did that. Uh, there's a baby. Yeah. So and let's Wars. talk about Kanan for a second. I mean, he's obviously not in these episodes, but his presence, his lesson, and everything we have mentioned it is definitely present in Ezra's whole story, in Kanan's. I mean, in uh, Hera's whole story. Everything. This Jedi warrior who wasn't even really a Jedi until um, he was knighted is I don't I don't know I feel like he has a presence in this finale even though he wasn't in it I miss Kanan I know I miss him too I also miss uh, oh. Freddie Prince Jr. not doing any sort of press after it's over but like that's fine <laughs> I, I know I was like it's kind of weird that he's not here I like any of it um, did they do an interview with him in Rebels Recon after Kanan's death? I don't know. I don't think they I did. I don't think so. I I might have completely forgotten it, so it's okay if you're yelling at me in your headphones right now. But I don't think they did. Um, and he wasn't at the finale premiere. He wasn't. I thought he would have been in the last Rebels Recon, but he wasn't. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I was like, okay, bye, Freddie. Yeah. It's just because I like him so much. It's like Sam Witwer was in the, the final Rebels recon. I'm like, where's Freddy? <laughs> so true. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, Kanan – I Kanan's my favorite Rebels character. So I like that we've been able to mourn him for these last episodes. And I think how they handled it was just – I mean, I think it was incredible how they handled it and how they carried it through as well throughout all of these episodes too. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that was just forgotten about. Um, and we saw that throughout, you know, last week's episodes and in these episodes too. It's like what Ezra – I mean, we said this earlier, what Ezra learns from Kanan that is emphasized in the world between worlds is is why what happens in the finale happens. I just love – how Star Wars again has given us like an amazing mentor apprentice relationship um, that even just mm-hmm. makes me think of the last Jedi. Um, we are with uh, they grow beyond. And in this moment, yeah. that's not obviously not a negative because what Ezra has grown beyond from learning from Kanan's teachings is to save his friends, his planet and everything. And um, that's the message that Kanan left and I think that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My my note for Keenan was still dead. <laughs> and that's sad. <laughs> and <laughs> okay, Chopper. Dave. Chopper is Dave. I can't believe what? that Chopper is Dave. 
I can't believe Chopper is saved. This is like the biggest mic drop. Why does Chopper have the biggest plot twist of any other character? I know, it's so true. Like, when, he, when he was in Rogue One on Chopper Cam, we were like, oh my god, that's why he was in England. <laughs> that was so shocking. Like, none, none of us got no. it. <laughs> that was like literally, I remember walking out of the theater of Rogue One being like, that's why he was in England. <laughs> <laughs> and like said, very yeah. invested in Chopper Cam. Like, <laughs> <laughs> went back rewatched it all is coming together <laughs> so but choppers again great droid i'll miss you chop like you were such a good mm-hmm. addition to the droid canon um and love chopper not only was he like this grumpy old cat but he was like so lovable and him extending his hands whenever possible like I can't with that. It's just so beautiful. And helping when he needs to help. He's so, he's he's so loyal. Mm-hmm. And you don't expect him to be that loyal. Yeah. Just, yeah, you really yeah, don't. And it's like every time he kind of like comes through, you're like, oh my God, Chopper, you did that. You know? And it's, <laughs> <laughs> it feels like he always gets Yeah, that. he really does always get you. Um. Aw. <laughs> We're talking about him like he died. He's very much alive. Oh, he's still alive. He'll show up. I more. hope so because, well, first off, yeah. I'm just really mourning the loss of Chopper Cam. So R.I.P. But yeah, exactly. yeah. But the like identity crisis Chopper had on <laughs> Chopper Cam of being Dave Filoni and how they like superimposed Dave's face onto the top of Chopper is <laughs> <laughs> just hilarious. I just love the story behind that, too, of, like, Dave not being able to find a – oh, yeah, the kid. No, you can tell that story in a second. But um, how Dave wasn't able to find a voice actor to portray Chopper in the way that he wanted to. So he was just like, this is what it should sound like. And that's what happened. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I need to – I don't know if they – I haven't watched the full Q&A yet from the finale viewing at Lucasfilm, but I wonder if he did any of the sounds. I really need to see Dave do I mean, I'm sure it's, like, broken up and kind of, like, sounds a little different. Well, I know. I'm sure it's morphed, yeah, like, with sound editing and stuff. I'd still like to hear it. I still need to hear it. I need to hear it. Uh, but then there was the story of that girl who I think it's at like Celebration Europe or something, and there were like these fans who were invited to sit on the stage with like whoever was there, like Dave and Pablo and you know Fred, whoever was there. And this little girl asked a question of who plays Chopper, and Dave. Everyone's like, "Oh, Dave's not going to tell you." Blah blah blah, and he was like, "Kids from question." Questions from kids are the best. And so he goes over and like whispers in her ear. And it's like, he's like, I told her the truth. And apparently he like actually told her the truth. (laughs) (laughs) And in the Q&A, he was like, I think she probably never told anyone because she was like disappointed that it was just me. (laughs) Probably. Or she said something and like no one, everyone was like, what the heck? That's a joke. That's a joke. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was just funny. It's funny. Okay. So let's talk Um, about Zeb. He's with Callus. Yes, he is. <laughs> What's the ship name for that? I don't know. Zealous? Sounds like jealous. <laughs> Ka- Caleb? Caleb? Caleb could yeah. work. Caleb could work. <laughs> I just um, – I never really thought that Zeb – they were going to ever really resolve Zeb's, like, past trauma at all. Um, mm-hmm. I 
kind of had like given up hope on that storyline just because I, I felt like people didn't really respond to it and they just were going to let that go. And I was so happy that they included that in the epilogue. Not only does Callus, who we'll get to in a second, but I guess we won't really spend that much time on them. We could just include it here. Um, Callus gets that redemption moment where he's completely and fully accepted by the the rest of the Lasat on Lyrasan and um you you finally get that I don't know you just it's it really was like such a beautiful moment of someone who had caused the Lasat so much so harm much, so much pain, yeah, yeah and then it is like f- kind of embraced into their small culture that exists only um within them so it, it was it was just this really beautiful moment that I, I'm really grateful that we saw that part because we we definitely could have just seen and I wouldn't have put it past them we could have just seen like Zeb like chilling in the background or something or like literally in the ghost with Hera and Jason mm-hmm. and I would yeah. have fully accepted that because I would have thought that like Zeb would have done that but I'm just really happy that they returned to this moment and this point in time in Rebels which was such a mystical episode if you guys haven't revisited that episode that episode like blew my mind when mm-hmm. it, if yeah. you think about it like I, I'm interested actually to rewatch that now with the a world between worlds and see how that kind of compares in terms mm-hmm. of um going to the beyond yeah um yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I need to revisit those. And I want to revisit, too, like, all of the episodes that lead to, like, Zeb and Callus's, um like, relationship and friendship. And I just – Totally. Zeb, Zeb was definitely, like, the, the, the ghost crew character we spent the least amount of time with. And it's funny because the Callus storyline was one I wish had gotten a little bit more time in these stories, mm-hmm. in these episodes. I don't know where you would have put it. Um, it's not like I want to cut anything out, but I wish – I wish we had seen more of his um, place in the rebellion and and his attempts to get on the good side because clearly he did, uh, or else Zeb wouldn't have taken him to Larisan, right. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. I think I'm really glad we got that resolution for Zeb that wasn't just in the background and that it was about something so much more than just returning to Larisan. It was about offering someone forgiveness mm-hmm. too. Completely. So Governor Price, Dunzo, Dunzo um, she was such an so evil that I almost like similar to like Rook and uh, Rook and Price. Like to me, I hated those characters so much that I really just wanted them to meet their end. And mm-hmm. as the first episode was going on, I was like, "How is Price?" either going to get out of this or is she going to survive? Cause I wouldn't have been surprised. I don't know. I, it's just, it, it was, she was definitely an interesting character to follow throughout this entire series. She's just like the perfect Imperial of being like a really bad Imperial. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. someone you just, it's not even a love to hate kind of thing. It's just a, ugh, I just don't like her. I know. Mm-hmm. And, anyway. Yeah. Okay. So Katsu. Katsu. She's there. Was there? Yep. <laughs> hey, girl. Hey. Yeah. I was happy to see her back. Good to see I mean, you. She does have a really cool yeah. arc as well, and now she's helping the rebellion mm-hmm. again and helping out this crew, and that was great to see. Looking forward to more Katsu sto- stories in the future because I've enjoyed every single episode of Forces of Destiny she's been in. 
Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I, I thanks. really like her and Sabine's relationship. And I think it's so cool that they were bounty hunters together. It's just like cool stuff. K- Katsu is really cool. A great character. Cool Katsu. Exactly. With a K. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Hondo. Great to see Hondo back. Yeah. I just like I that line that he says, for that boy, there's nothing I would not do. My heart was like swelling so much just because I, I felt like I, I you know, I, I'm a broken record in this episode, but like so much has led to that that sentence. And he he really would do anything for Ezra and he felt such a kinship towards this guy. And to the point where we we really speculated about whether or not Ezra was going to join Hondo and become a pirate. And I, mm-hmm. I and like, it's very clear speculation. I mean, that even could still happen. Like, I have no idea. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe after they find him, maybe him, Thrawn and Hondo all like make a pirating team. Maybe it was just like, it was such a Hondo and Ezra's relationship was like such a, you could tell that Ezra was really comfortable in that, kind of friendship environment yeah and that environment i mean that kind of like goes back to his like quote street rat days and everything and um Mm -hmm. i always loved that side of ezra and it was always a joy to see hondo and i was really glad to see him back especially with um oh no what's his name i didn't write it down melch melch man melch (laughs) (laughs) it's like i just i really love like pirates with hearts of gold um and hondo is no exception yeah, Hondo's just always – he's such a treat to watch, you know. He, you never know what's going to come out of his mouth next. And he just brings a lighter side to everything that's going on. Like in the in the beginning of that episode where they're, they're waiting for a cargo ship so that they can latch onto it. And he's like, I've only been hit once, twice. Mm, I've done this before. <laughs> It's just like it's so funny in the way they have him like counting all his fingers and he turn. It's he's just he's really fun to watch and, and just like you said, it's funny because if um, Ezra hadn't had this adventure with the ghost crew, if he hadn't really been a part of their family, you know, you can imagine a future where Ezra would have become a pirate like Hondo, um, and maybe would have had that kind of life too. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I love Hondo. I think he's. He's always so fun to watch. And the fact that he knows so many of our characters too is just it's really great. Totally. I'm excited for what the future for what the future holds for Hondo and Melch. Well, Hondo's just another one of those examples of like the the Dave Filoni like connective tissue um type mm-hmm. situation. And I just I love that. As much as we can do that, I mean, I think what interview a, a recent interview that came out of Dave Filoni, he was talking about how like as much as you can connect different parts of star wars in a way that's not overdoing it um yeah yeah i think it was that on collider yeah i think it was the collider interviews because he said if you do it too much it can sound like it can feel like a variety show yeah and obviously like you don't want like han solo coming in and like high-fiving i don't know sabine like i don't i don't want that that there needs to be meaning there if that was ever to happen and mm-hmm. um, it's I, – I don't know. I feel like Hondo is one of those moments where it was like he served a greater story. He wasn't just like a cameo. We don't need just cameos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think some people probably don't agree with that though. I think they think having characters like Hondo and Ahsoka is 
is like self-servicing for Dave because he loves those characters and created them. I think, yeah, and created them. And it's but I think now that you, especially now having the whole story to be able to go back and see how yes, all of these things really were connected. And Ahsoka came into the picture for a specific reason, and and as, I think Ahsoka is definitely on a different level of character than Hondo, um, but like Hondo came into the story for a specific reason, and and so did Leia. Um, you know, you could have Leia in the story because she's working with the Rebellion, whereas it would be hard to have Luke in the story because mm-hmm. it's like. And they got as close as you possibly could. <laughs> so sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and I guess to a certain extent, you could see Han if there was some kind of connection there with Hondo, I guess, or some other smuggling ring that that they got involved in. But I feel like that probably would have felt a little self-servicey too, mm-hmm. whereas Hondo is a character that's already established and it's like, you know he's out there in the galaxy and he works well in animation too. So Totally. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Thrawn. Chilling with the Purgles and maybe Ezra. Thrawn is one of these characters that I did not think that I was going to enjoy on the show just because it felt, like we mentioned before, a little fan servicey in terms of bringing back this Legends content. But I think that the way that Dave has written Thrawn, the way Kevin Kiner's score like, um, kind of backs up Thrawn's character as well. Um, He's so complicated, and we've talked about it for hours on the show already, that I was so thrilled to see his end this way just because it had been predicted by the the Bendu, and all of a sudden everything kind of snapped into focus um, as what what Thrawn's destiny really was going to be. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely – the thing with Ron is when they talked about his introduction for us, it was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Like, how is this – let's see what happens. And he definitely grew to be someone I really love to hate. Um, but not even hate. I'm just so intrigued by him. I think that I think that's like the the defining characteristic of Thrawn is that he's just a really intriguing – menacing character. And I'm like, I would like a biography on Thrawn. I would too. And I know everyone listening is like heir to the Empire. Or just guys, like the Thrawn book. The Empire. <laughs> yeah, or the Thrawn book too. I yeah, okay. <laughs> you know. After I read Last Jedi, I'll go pick up the Thrawn oh, book. Oh you will? <laughs> You're going to? Will I? No. Yeah, I mean we'll see. We'll see. If I ever get out of the last Jedi book, I feel like I'm going to live in that book. Never, um, never say never, but I think I would like to read the Thrawn book at some time. Yeah, Thrawn is too. a really interesting. It's not top of my list. Uh, I'll be honest, but not because I don't think it's good, but just because as much as I like Thrawn, he's not like the most interesting character for me. But I think he. I mean, the role he played in Rebels. I think like he always did pose a credible threat to them too um and you know him talking about how he quote unquote saved these specific pieces of artwork from Lethal so that they wouldn't be lost when he destroyed the planet was just so chilling Mm -hmm. and it's like those things have happened before in our world too and it's it, yeah, it was really chilling, and and Ezra shouting back at him, you know, you don't you don't deserve those pieces because you don't you don't know what they are. Mm-hmm. You think you do, but you can never be a part of that. 
um, because of what you stand for. I think, I don't know, it that really hit home for me um, and was just, it was really relatable to, to what I'm studying and to things that have gone on in the world past, present, and unfortunately, probably in the future too. Totally. Anyway, just Thrawn is cool. Yeah, Thrawn is super cool. I just – I didn't bring up the quote before, but in case any of you forgot, the quote that Bendu says to Thrawn in Zero Hour in the season three finale, he says, I see your defeat like many arms surrounding you in a cold embrace, which is interesting because now I'm looking at that quote after I just looked it up, and it's just – it doesn't say his death. It says his defeat, and that mm-hmm. is pretty um, – predicting for the fact that he has survived this which dave has confirmed there's nothing colder than a purgle's embrace oh my Let god it be known. so true <laughs> <laughs> uh okay so next palpatine sidious i can't get hologram. over how crazy that hologram thing was when i saw it, it i was so like scary. oh my god it makes so much sense that palpatine if he ever had to be public facing after the like I guess he has completely kind of confessed to the Senate in Revenge of the Sith. He says the act has left me scarred and deformed, but I'm I'm sure that he would have kind of, kind of wielded this image of himself as like this loving grandfather is what they said on Rebels Recon. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think we've seen posters of him too. On different, maybe even in Lethal, on different planets I or something, so too. with his with his 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 regular face. I think so too, uh, and it's like it's funny in that that propaganda type um, way of thinking. Yes, yeah, and um, it just it made total sense to me that he would kind of show that side to Ezra, and then when the this recreated temple is falling, and it's the the hologram switches from him to. The Darth, Darth oh. it was so cool and so chilling. It was, it was scary, it was so creepy. When after Ezra like brings the temple down and he's sitting there like watching the doorway, I'm like, what? <laughs> Not okay with this. And then the hologram literally just pops up. I jumped. It was, and it's going back and forth. It, it was like a horror show. Mm-hmm. It was really scary. It really was. That whole. Palpatine is we've talked about this many times before he is the ultimate um, puppet master he's playing the mm-hmm. craziest game of chess long game yes. yeah the craziest one. yeah but the thing is Ezra beats him at his own game and is like no bueno no dice yo yeah and walks away and um, it, it's just it's funny to me because Ezra proves that you can walk away from that if you have the strength to walk away um, mm-hmm. from the temptation the like you're so close literally staring on the other side of this wall of it, it's very harry potter um of looking on that yeah. other side and you know you're you can reach in and be a part of that but ezra says no because he knows that that's not the path that he needs to choose and by turning his back on this this sort of temptation ezra really does prove that y- you can let it go um, it's just really cool. Ezra, he did that. He really did that. He did that. Yeah. And for a while I was like, I wonder, you know, are his parents really there? Like what, what is he actually walking into? Um, if he had gone that route, uh, but the, the way his parents look at him 
especially as they hear him kind of say, you know, you're always going to be with me. And oh, that that tear that falls down his face. Mm -hmm. Well, not okay. Uh, But then as the temple crashes, you hear them say, we love you, Ezra. And so it's interesting because for a while I was like, this is just an illusion. Like if even if like I didn't think Ezra would make that choice to go with them. But even if he did, they wouldn't actually be there. Uh, it would just be a fabrication by Palpatine to open up the temple or, you know, kill Ezra or something like that. But I think maybe part of them actually was. I mean, I think it was, too, because I think at that point, Palpatine knew that Ezra wielded the power to kind of open the gate to the world between worlds. So he had that ability to kind of change the past and change um, that path and be able to be reunited with his family after they didn't die in that in, it, they die in an imperial prison. I'm probably getting this wrong, and I'm sorry about that. I think so. Yeah, yeah. But um, and I think they were executed exactly, and he could change that because he Palpatine knows that he has that sort of power to change certain fates because he he witnessed mm-hmm. that in the previous episode. Um, So I think in a way, yes, he was seeing his parents. His parents were alive and that was very real in the same way that he saw Ahsoka and Vader um, in the previous episode. And that was very real. It's just a different point Mm -hmm. in time and he could live in that point in time if he worked with Palpatine and kind of helped Palpatine wield that power a little bit more. But you knew that wasn't going to happen and that can't happen. So that temple was destroyed. Yeah, yeah. I still don't know where I think I I fall on that. I mean, I I don't I don't know if that's even concrete at all. But that's kind of just what I took from it, and I'm willing to mm-hmm. hear other point of views. Send them our way. Yeah. Skytalkers.com. Yes, please. <laughs> and last but not least, Ahsoka. Okay, <laughs> this is so good. I gotta say. <laughs> I gotta say, after World Between Worlds, I was like, Ahsoka's gonna show up in this last battle. It's gonna be great. And you guys know how much I love Ahsoka, but this these episodes had me so gripped that halfway through it, like when there were like 20 minutes left, I was like, oh wait, where's Ahsoka? Like, I hadn't <laughs> even been thinking about her. Uh, and then I was so caught up in the epilogue to see her standing behind Sabine was just I was so excited. I am so excited. I'm surprised you didn't think that when Ezra was like going to call someone to help that like potentially it would have been Ahsoka because of that vague no, promise I, that happened in A World Between yeah, Worlds. Yeah, but it, it was like him telling her, come find me. And I don't think he would have had any idea of how to even contact her. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I still think that like you're supposed to kind of think about the fact that they were going to reunite someday and maybe that was going to be yeah, it. Maybe it was going to be. Yeah. I mean, I definitely thought it'd be in the finale. I don't think I thought about it when Ezra was, when Mart was talking about that other plan. Yeah. Um, I, I just like, I can't get over how her story continues in this way and what it really means. And it just gets so fun when you start to think about all the different possibilities of Ahsoka mm-hmm. and, everything like I was thinking about it last night and I was like freezing up I was so excited like I can't handle yeah well it's 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 a it's a curious thing with Ahsoka because a lot of people I know don't like the fact that her story is unresolved and it's like 
whose story in Star Wars is really resolved, <laughs> uh, except for like Anakin and Obi Wan. Like, they, like there are far more people who we don't have their full storyline than there are people that we do. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, and it's like I, it's it's so great that she gets to live. I can't get over uh, it. Like, it's, why does she it's, have to die? It's so exciting. And it's really exciting. It feels like 2017 slash 2018 is the year of these Star Wars characters who, like, technically maybe should have died, but, like, they're outliving these stories. And it's so cool. Like, we, yeah. we all went into The Last Jedi fully expecting to see Leia meeting her end and us having to watch that. And instead, it, she was so badass that she didn't die in that movie. And they, they didn't carve that time out to kind of... F- like make this like fake funeral um instead they got their due and in same thing happened in rebels they don't have to die these these women characters don't have to die just to serve like this overarching saga theme instead they can be woven within it and kind of support these characters that we love so much i just get so excited when i think about all the possibilities of ahsoka meeting our favorite characters that we see in the films stop it (laughs) Like, I can't handle it. Yeah, it makes I mean, so now excited. She's, she's, like, she's, my God, she's been through the prequel trilogy, the in-between period, now the original trilogy, and now she's forging ahead to the sequel trilogy. Like, what? What the heck? I know. What the heck? <laughs> That's so great. That's so, I mean, it's so cool. It's so cool. And I... I am I'm ready for I'm ready for Sabine and Ahsoka to be best friends forever. Yeah, me forever. too. Me too. I'm ready for them to rescue Ezra. I I don't know if that's coming down the line or if it's in book format. I don't really care. I want that story. I'd love to see it on screen, but I want that story. I would love it if it was even I mean, how cool would it be if it was even like a really short, like four episode, like each episode is an hour and a half long. Um, mini series that they do for this like Disney streaming platform. Oh my gosh, that'd be so! I, and it would be like this com- concise story where there's a clear beginning and a clear ending and an endpoint, and you see what sort of um, adventures these two characters kind of find themselves in within this timeline mm-hmm. that we know so well. I just like, and they get, and, and they get to bring Ezra back to Lethal. Yes. And everything what you did look at what's become of your sacrifice and then Ezra gonna be like Sabine you did this (laughs) oh my god it's like ah (laughs) I'm just like living for the possibilities uh isn't that just the best part about Star Wars though is like all Mm. the infinite possibilities yeah it is it is and I think that's that's an important thing to keep in mind as a Star Wars fan is that just because we don't have the ending isn't a bad thing Mm -hmm. Um, and not having all the answers isn't a bad thing. It's actually great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's actually great. And I've, I mean, that I feel like that's really hard to keep in mind for me sometimes. It's like, what do you mean? What do you mean we don't know where Ezra is? <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying when you say that? <laughs> uh, man. But it is a good thing. And then, like, the theories from everything kind of come out of this. It's like, is Jason Force-sensitive. He would probably be because his father was. So, like, eh. And then it's like, okay, so how does he fit into any sort of story that, 
you know, the the Jedi tell or Luke's training academy? Is he part of something at the training academy? What you've read from the Last Jedi novelization kind of makes me think twice about that theory, but it's still super interesting and fun to think about in terms of how does this new character now kind of like serve these older characters now that we're familiar with? Mm-hmm. Could Ezra come back and then train Jason? Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. You mm-hmm. just went there. Wow. I went there. I went there because I like, I don't know if Hera would send her son to a Jedi training temple because of everything she learned from Kanan. Yeah. So I don't know. But if Ezra comes back and he meets little Jason. I know. Not okay. Not okay. All right. Let's move on. I'm sad. (laughs) Sad with happiness. Okay. (laughs) I only have like one more thing to say. I just think that the score and like general Kevin Kiner. Oh. He did. He was doing it so well in this. I. He's all cylinders. I. I'm I really I'm really sad that only the Rebel season two soundtrack, season one and season two is up on Spotify. I would really like for seasons three and four to to come up on there. So Kevin, if you're listening, please work that out for me. Yeah. <laughs> let's get it done. <laughs> let's let's get it done. Please and thank you. <laughs> yeah, because I've been I it's like it's oh it's so good. And the, it's so good. the last credits, did you listen through the entire credits? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It was like mm-hmm. this new riff on the Rebel mm-hmm. scene. Oh, mm-hmm. man. It was just so good. <laughs> it was so good. It makes me, like, want that. I, I want that to somehow, like, be repurposed for the future Ahsoka and Sabine story. Like, uh, I just think that, again, infinite possibilities. It's so cool. Yeah, the music was was really great throughout all of these episodes. I think it's something we've touched on in all of our Fulcrum files on the back end of season four. So I, yeah, I, I really loved all of them. I think they were, especially for those big moments like Kanan's death and the end when Ezra's saying goodbye to Kanan on Lethal and his sacrifice. It just, it all worked so well and it felt so big in the episodes it just it was great i was really impressed and i'm excited to to actually have those tracks to listen to outside of youtube (laughs) (laughs) yes me too (laughs) okay so we did get an email um about the show that i wanted to read and we can try to respond to it um it's from our good friend suara from the beltway banthas podcast so it goes hey charlotte and caitlin hope you're doing well So as you both know, I've gone back and forth about how to feel about Dave Filoni as a storyteller. I do legitimately think he gave us an overall fantastic finale and resolved things quite nicely. However, I've heard numerous complaints about how he writes women on the show and how often they seem to be there to further the male character's arc. For example, in the finale, it's heavily implied that Sabine stays on Lothal to fulfill a promise to Ezra, which is great but it also can mean that she doesn't get to pursue her own personal fight to free her to free Mandalore with her family. Basically, it could mean she sacrifices her own goals and ambitions for the sake of her male friend, which I understand could miff people the wrong way. What are your thoughts on this? Has Dave Filoni had problems with writing women through Rebels? Do they need more women writers? Thanks for an incredible series of Fulcrum Files. All the best, and may the Force be with you, Suara. So I think that he, he does raise some interesting points that I, mm-hmm. I I think you and I both want to respond to. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, thank you. Firstly, thank you, Swire, for the email. Uh, some good questions. And if you guys haven't listened to Beltway Banthas, you should definitely go and check them out. Swara hosts it with uh, our friend Sue and Kent, too. So definitely go and check out their show. Um, I think, yeah, yes, there should be more women writers mm-hmm. in Star Wars. That's, that's the easy answer. Uh, do I think that Dave Filoni has problems writing female characters? Not necessarily. I definitely think there are rooms – there is room for improvement always. Um, I was listening to Full of Sith today and they had an interview – with Dave from the finale viewing. And it was kind of like a round table. So there were a lot of other bloggers and podcasters there who were asking questions and Philip Seth had recorded all of it. And one of the things, one of the things that I really appreciate about Dave is his ability to look back on his work and see where things could have gone better. Um, that's one thing that Dave always really emphasizes in his interviews is that it's for him, Star Wars and creating Star Wars and creating TV shows is continually a learning process. And he said in one of those uh, questions, he was like, you know, in Clone Wars, something I really feel like we could have done better was how we wrote female characters. He's like, I feel like we really made a lot of great steps in Rebels. Um, and he said, there's always room for improvement. Um But I don't – the only thing that I I understand people feeling a little frustrated about is with Hera and the truth serum and how that was handled. And you guys heard that episode. I I shared a lot of those feelings too. Um, Do I think that one mistake like that discredits all of the greatness that Hera is and all of the greatness that Dave Filoni put into that character? No. I just think it was something that maybe should have been tweaked to work and sound a different way. Mm -hmm. Um, In regards – to like female characters in general and and particularly Sabine in this episode. You know, sometimes I worry that, you know, by wanting strong and independent female characters, there's kind of this implication that any choice they make because of or for a male character inherently makes them poorly written. And that has definitely happened in a lot of cases. I don't want to pretend that it hasn't. But with Sabine and, and Ezra in particular and her choice to stay on Lothal, you know, they've built up this relationship for the past four seasons of just how much these two know each other and care about each other. And I think that's I think that's really beautiful. And in the end, Sabine cares enough about Ezra and the sacrifice he made to, in a way, make her own sacrifice and help see through the rebuilding of Lothal. And that doesn't make her... For me, that doesn't change her character. It just adds another layer of like her commitment to this found family. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, too, we can sometimes perhaps assume that because she stayed on Lothal to to help oversee the rebuilding of the city and the planet, that she therefore never left the planet. Um, and I would I think once the threat was gone, I would I would assume that all of the ghost crew stayed on Lothal until the threat was gone of the Empire, until they realized that they weren't coming back. Um, and then I think that's probably when Hera and Zeb and Callus, they all kind of started going down these different paths. Um, but I, I definitely think Sabine probably went off world a lot. I think she probably had a lot of contact with her family and with Hera and with Zeb. Um, but I think there was something that kept drawing her back to Lothal. And if that was because of her relationship with Ezra, I don't think that's a bad thing because we've had all of this backstory. Um, And again, too, from like a practical standpoint, I don't think the story led us to believe 
that Sabine wanted to go back to Mandalore yeah. necessarily. It wasn't like throughout all those last episodes. She spent a lot of time with Ezra in those last episodes. And not once did we hear her say something like, you know, Ezra, like once we free, free Lethal, then like you and I can go back to Mandalore and like help Mandalore. Um, there was never a line like that or like, I'm going to go back to Mandalore and help my family. Um, I think that was just like a practical way that they could have done something like that if if they wanted us to think that Sabine wanted to go back to Mandalore, um, which I don't think that was shown explicitly through the show. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling. I don't think Dave Filoni writes female characters poorly. I think there are definitely some things that can be done better. There should always be more women writers. Um, Dave has said numerous times, though, that he uh, continually seeks the advice of people like Carrie Hart and Carrie Beck and his wife, too, because he's a guy. (laughs) Um, And he said that on a couple of different interviews. So these things never happen in a vacuum. Yeah. Caitlin kind of said basically everything I wanted to say, but also... I personally, as like a I, I, Sabine is my favorite Rebels character. You guys have heard me say that before. I felt her story with Mandalore when she passed on the dark saber to Bo-Katan. I felt like she was moving past that, and it was kind of a beautiful mm-hmm. realization to me that just like Ezra dealing with understanding that his family isn't all genetic. And his his real family at this point is the ghost crew. It's it was that realization too for Sabine, and she she passed that on. And I, I, Dave has created like such a, a rich history of Mandalore that because it's so rich, I truly think that is go- it is going to be revisited, and I'm excited to see how it's revisited. But I really don't think that Sabine had an obligation to return back since she passed it on to Bo-Katan. Um, mm-hmm. I think yeah. that when they they spent all that time um, kind of dealing with that in the beginning of the season, almost because Sabine had to have that realization that because she was at this point called with the Darksaber, she was also called to hand it over and give it to its like rightful owner at this point. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I, I never really felt like that was unresolved. I, I, I felt like Sabine's place in that was, um, was resolved. Yeah. I think it, it would have been a completely different situation if she had kept the dark saber. Yes. Uh, or if she had said like when she left Mandalore to go help Ezra, if she had said something like, I'm coming back for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it would have been different, but yeah, I don't think I don't think it takes away her agency at all for her to have stayed on Lethal. I think if anything, it strengthens her relationship with Ezra, and I don't think that's a bad thing. No, um, I don't either. Because, because at this point, Ezra is her family. Yeah. It's it's her her brother. Yeah. It's they owe each other mm-hmm. something. They are connected in this way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And just because he's a guy and she's a girl, it doesn't negate everything that's come before it and i think it plays like the the ghost crew has continually made sacrifices for each other throughout all of these seasons mm-hmm. and i know i kind of referenced it as a sacrifice for sabine to stay on lethal and i think maybe perhaps that was the wrong word choice um i think she's i think she wants to stay there the thing about sabine is 
she wouldn't do something if she didn't want to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, we've seen that like four separate times in her life yeah. in these segments. <laughs> if she didn't want to do something, she's not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. And if she didn't think it was the right thing to do. Um, and, and I think, too, she comes to that realization at the end when she's like, you know, I thought – I thought what Ezra tr- entrusted me with was was care- in a way caring for Lethal, uh, but I'm starting to see that it was more than that too. And it's like now she's realizing too that there's something else she can do, um, another a new adventure, a new mission, um, and a way to bring back someone that she cares very deeply about. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's a good thing. Totally. Yeah. So well, anyway, so- I hope that made sense. <laughs> Thanks, Suara, for sending in your question. Yeah, thank you, Suara. If you guys ever have any sort of topic or question that you want us to discuss on our show, whether it's Fulcrum Files in the future, if we go back and do Rebels episodes or whatever, or on our main show, you can always email us at skytalkerspodcast at gmail.com. Um, so exactly. just like a final parting word. What do we hope for in the future of Lucasfilm animation? If we could like narrow down two things, what what do we really want? I mean, I want – I always want Dave to be a part of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would stand to reason that he would be a part of the next animated film unless he's working on the live action series, which I'm all for that too. Uh, but I definitely want to continue to see these themes explored. And I think I'd like to see it with a whole new cast of characters in a completely new situation too, um, exploring a, a new timeline as well. It's funny because Rebels, to me, it took me a little bit to get into it and to really mm-hmm. care about it. And you know that, Caitlin. Like, yeah. for me, even when it premiered, I was I was excited about it because always new Star Wars. But I I wasn't jumping up and down to watch the, the new TV show. I was mourning the loss mm-hmm. of the Clone Wars, and I was kind of stressed that maybe Dave got kind of shoehorned in doing this new show. And I completely regret feeling like that because I wish that I had embraced it from the very beginning. And it's not like I didn't watch it. I watched it from the very beginning. But I I wish that I had been more accepting of these new characters straight mm-hmm. from the start. And since I have done my rewatch and I really got into it, honestly, at the end of season two, um, I was watching it really consistently then. Is when, especially when they brought back Ahsoka and they were going to do the Twilight of the Apprentice, those episodes that really sealed the deal for me about understanding how this series can work to like fit into the larger saga. In the beginning, I felt a little undefined by it, um, but I hope to have an experience where I could be now, now knowing that this series was such a success in my brain and I, I really really became attached to the series I want to go into the next series with this new cast of characters and be ready to fully embrace them and to get excited about where these storylines will take us yeah I, I agree completely I'm I'm really excited for what comes next I think the rebels proved for me that it's just, again, an example of for as much as we speculate about things, a lot of these decisions are already made. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, it's like it's like that Star Wars trailer from like 1977, you know, 
this has all happened already before, you know, and it's like <laughs> these decisions have all already been made um, long before we were ever a part of the conversation. Yeah. And for me, I really like the I really like the choices Dave Filoni has made. And I I love what he represents as this own kind of bridge between the George Lucas and the Disney era of Star Wars. And I hope that he continues in Star Wars for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I think that there's room for him and room for his storytelling to live on. I yeah, we are and the, fans of it and we want it to continue. Yeah, and the and the next generation that he's gonna get to train up too that comes through the doors. Yeah. That's that's gonna be really great. Um and for the next series, whatever it is, uh yeah, I, I really wanna see I just wanna see a continuation. Um of this, of just like understanding the galaxy. It's, that's what's so great. It's so big. There are so many possibilities out there. And even if that next story is Sabine and Ahsoka, that's going to be such a new dynamic. And they're going to talk about things that we haven't even seen on screen because they happened during the original trilogy period. And I don't know. I'm really excited. I Me love too. Star Wars. It's a great time to be a Star Wars fan, guys. It's so good. I can't believe that the series is over. And I, I am really missing it already, but I am so happy to like close this book and put it on the shelf and get to reference it forever in our future conversations of Star Wars because there's so much and I can't wait to revisit it. I want to watch it back and forth already. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> Me too. I'm really excited to go back and rewatch Rebels now that we have the whole story because I, I honestly haven't revisited like season one very much since it aired. So I'm excited to go back and be like, oh, my God, look. If, if you guys want, would like us to do a probably like a bi-season revisiting of Rebels, like we do like mm -hmm. season one Fulcrum Files, and it would be like a long episode, let us know if you'd be interested in that because it's something that we could probably do this year if you're interested. Mm -hmm. Yep. So let us know. And I think with that, we'll – kind of wrap up the episode. Thank you, Dave Filoni. Thank you, Lucasfilm. Thank you to everyone involved. I, yes. It, it's been a great ride. Also, for those of you that have never listened all the way through Fulcum Files, <laughs> <laughs> we, I, we have this like fun tagline at the end of the episode that says, um, what is it? What does she say? Our, our like uh, announcer girl, she says, don't, well, I'm not going to spoil it, but she says something cute. I think it's cute anyway. I came up with it. So. <laughs> yeah, so it's all Kayla. So. <laughs> yeah, but should, it is really cute. Listen to the end of the episode. It's really yeah, cute. Yeah, you guys should listen to it and I don't know, like email, like tw tweet us or email us that you heard it or something and we'll like give you a pat on the back. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I um I just like Rebels was so great and we have mm -hmm. I feel like I have endless thanks to the entire crew to Lucasfilm to all the fans that have loved to talk about the series and kind of like in that has enriched my understanding of it in general as well I sometimes I feel like we put a lot of stress on not stress but emphasis on the creators, and of course, they created this amazing product, but a lot of my appreciation for something goes into the time that people take to break things down, to yes. um, talk about things and um, <laughs> gif things for Tumblr and everything. Oh and God, I just, yes. I feel like that the, the fan creation 
and discussion aspect of Rebels and all of Star Wars. It, it, I don't think I would have been a Rebels fan if we didn't have that sort of aspect. And I was just enjoying mm-hmm. this in a vacuum. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Completely agree. So with that, I just want to thank our amazing patrons for supporting us. Lynn, Amy, Joanna, Neil, Ryan, Jim, Suara, BJ, Chuck, Megan, Amy, Kelly, Matt, Aaron, Cherie, Kyle, Serene, David, Brian, Diana, Susanna, Brandon, Kirsty, Daz, Lauren, Robbie, Derek, Connie, Stewart, and Brad. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. Yes, thank you guys so much. And um, if you're listening this far to hear the fun tagline, then you also know where to find us uh, now. You can find us on skytalkers.com, uh, on our Twitter at skytalkerspod. Charlotte's personal Twitter is at Crarity, and mine is at Caitlin Plusher. And if you like what you hear and want to leave us a five-star review, please head on over to iTunes and, uh, you know, do that. Review us. That would be great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, like Charlotte said, Rebels – gonna miss you but this is not the last we're gonna talk about you so it's coming we're gonna revisit <laughs> this series so yes. with that thank you guys so much for listening as always may the force be with you may the force be with you don't forget to thank Dave Filoni on your way out and we'll see you next time